when some were talking about the temple, remarking how it is adorned with fine stonework and votive offerings, Jesus said, All these things that you are staring at now, the time will come when not a single stone will be left on another. Everything will be destroyed. Luke's words may reflect eyewitness accounts by the early church after Herod's temple was destroyed by Roman soldiers in 70 AD. But I can imagine Jesus speaking to a crowd, gazing in awe at the magnificent building shining at the top of Temple Mount. Somehow, a recent story in the Mercury News resonated with that event. A 50-year-old woman who died after a car wreck last month is the 11th victim of defective airbag inflators. The airbags can inflate with too much force, which causes a metal canister to rupture and spew shrapnel into the vehicle. That example hit me as it pertains to the church, because this embodiment of the risen Christ, which is supposed to bring salvation, has a history of killing people. Quarrels through the centuries between branches of the church have caused terrible injury and death in the name of Jesus. And like those defective airbags, the church in our own time has been responsible for innumerable spiritual injuries and deaths. People hurt not only by abusive clergy, but by a disconnect between faith and reality. Not the beautiful stones of the temple destroyed by soldiers, but an inner collapse from a lack of relevance, honesty, integrity, and courage. Even accounting for biblical knowledge as understood in each century, the teaching of the church from childhood on up has been inept, at times dishonest never keeping up with its time. Thinking people read the Bible and ask, what does that have to do with anything? And often they are right. Add to that disconnect, issues of power and control have abused the Christian faith, supporting slavery and segregation, denigrating the role of women, squelching questioning minds, and attacking scientific discoveries. Bigotry continues. In the name of Jesus, people claim their religious freedom is violated, their morals offended, when they refuse to serve gay people. Lots of implications from today's gospel. Now, since commercial Christmas has already invaded the stores, I'd like to give you a heads up as we enter this so-called elongated holiday season. One of my early memories involved a birthday party for a boy whose father worked with mine at the Texas company on the Gulf Coast. During party games, I got thirsty, so I went to the kitchen for something to drink. I found the boy's mother crying. Though I was only five, I had suspicions, but asked what was wrong. She hugged me 
and said her son had shaved for the first time that week, but his mind could never go beyond my age. That's why only children had been invited. Though his sweet smile persevered, his mental development would be limited. Not until I read the story of Peter Pan as an adult did I appreciate the sadness when someone cannot grow up by chance or choice or death. That memory triggered a possible reason for the church's irrelevance and disconnect from reality. Go something like this. Beginning in two weeks, Advent will take us through increasing darkness to the light of Christmas. In our journey from one solstice to another, I beg you, let Jesus grow up. Travel with him as he emerges as an adult and teaches a vision of life and relationships with people and with God. Don't leave him lying in a manger. Let him grow up with you. His transparent goodness, his love focused on others, helping him face death with integrity and with faith in what his life stood for. Then through your own maturing heart, the spirit of Christ can be with you as you face life in all its beautiful, sometimes painful reality. It is not the babe that will help you, strengthen you, or see you through the hard times. It is an experience of the mature Jesus, hurting and hoping, risking, frustrating, and suffering, which will provide an attitude and process for helping you face your own difficult times with integrity and joy, and with hindsight, discover possible meaning. Here's the problem. In addition to disregarding facts having anything to do with truth or lacking exposure to having heard facts of our faith, many people mature physically, socially, intellectually, but with a religious worldview that can only be described as childish, their faith and spiritual understanding never growing up. No wonder so many disregard Christianity, thinking that childish view is all there is. A relative always said grace in baby talk. Used to bug me so much. People don't know there are alternatives of faith compatible with a mature 21st century worldview. Not to demean Christmas joy, just that Christmas faith is not sufficient. By itself, it's too limited to plumb the depths of life. But the church season continues, directing us toward the cross, which will come both to Jesus and to us. It is that cross which gives the true meaning of Christmas, the event which makes Christmas important, makes Jesus' birth worth remembering, worth celebrating. It is the cross that asks the mature questions and demands honest, real answers. Not the pablum fet to babes, which too often happens so as not to upset innocent ears of parishioners who, after all, control church finances. Scary. It's not easy. Remember Jesus' warnings that followed. 
words of the mature Jesus, the same man who dared to cleanse the temple of its dishonest finances, knowing full well the risk, which included the possibility of death, putting him for the first time on the Romans' radar. He knew that new ideas are scary, shake things up like the earthquake down in New Zealand last night, that there are always charlatans ready to lead people astray, relatives and friends ready to betray. I've seen it happen. Experienced my own share of people upset by my teaching, preaching, honest biblical truth in the context of modern reality. But, as Jesus said, by your endurance, you'll gain your souls. So, where's the gospel in all this? My wife used to tell me in my early years, your diagnosis is excellent, but I don't know about your prescription. Here is the good news in all this. I believe and trust in Jesus' attitude and process that it's liberating and life-giving for mind and spirit and society. And I believe, not entirely smugly, that the Episcopal Church and its three-legged stool of tradition, scripture, and reason offers a perspective that helps us to consider and proclaim a mature Jesus that can integrate thought with faith and action, can make sense of our century, even as it encourages a wonderful diversity of understanding and belief. Don't let St. Luke's reflect Jesus' words about the temple, allowing a time when no stone at University Avenue is left on another, everything destroyed, not from hoodlums breaking our stained glass or pulling down the bell tower, but from timidity to confront and share the truth, at least the search for it, as we live in the enlarging, empowering spirit of Christ in the midst of Silicon Valley. Be courageous as Jesus was. Imagine St. Luke's being a safe place to search for truth wherever it's found. Listening, learning from each other, disagreeing with minds open to new understanding, made possible by Jesus' attitude we call the Spirit of Christ. If we get the word out, we can be feeding a multitude of all ages with a real, relevant gospel the same way our pantry feeds the homeless. This sanctuary can be filled with worshipers secure in their challenge to integrate science and Bible, history and imagination, intellect and ethics, questions and belief. A parish filled with people seeking to enhance their relationships, to care for their communities, and to work for justice and peace in the name of Jesus. Imagine.